Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Define University podcast and another one of my favorites. This is another episode in the Share Your Story series. And I'm so excited to bring on today's guest. He is actually a colleague of mine, and we get to work together in our district. And I just cannot wait for you to get to know Matt a little better. So without, uh, I'm going to let Matt introduce who he is. But uh, Matt, when you get that question of kind of, who are you? What do you do? Uh, what is it that you, that you uh, answer? How is it that you answer that question? Um, yeah, my name is Matt Spite. I am a teacher at Rush Henrietta. I've taught third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade there. And I am going into my 13th year as a teacher at RH. So yeah, it's been, it's been a fun ride. That is awesome. It had, is, has your whole career been at RH or were you other places before that? Uh, before RH, I did a year where I did a lot of subbing positions. I subbed in Greece a lot. I did a lot of like uh, special ed there because that's what they tended to call me for. I also did a long-term sub there. I was a kindergarten and first grade special ed teacher for a couple months. And then I ended that year at Hilton. I was a long-term sub for fifth, a fifth grade teacher. Awesome. I love it. And I love, I can't wait to kind of dive in. You know, we haven't worked that closely together at work, but I often will pop in your room and we'll just chat. And so I'm so excited to kind of connect with you uh, a little bit through and then allow all, all the listeners that define you to connect with you too. So one of the things I like to start with is really kind of getting a sense. When we talk about our story, part of our story is, is, is our why. It's our purpose and our passion and what kind of inspires us to go into education. And I love hearing this story from educators because it is so unique to every educator out there. So I'm curious and would love to know kind of what inspired you to go into education? Did you always think you were going to be a teacher? Is that something you always saw yourself doing? Or what was it that kind of led you down that path? It, it's kind of a crazy story because um, it wasn't something that I had considered. Um, I had I was homeschooled for all 12 years. So it was kind of it's kind of a weird story. So I went to Roberts Wesley and I got accepted there and I was leaning towards accounting and um, I wanted to explore a couple different majors. I, I didn't want to go in undeclared. So I met with the heads of departments for education, for business and for social work. Um, and the business people don't, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but uh, they had their nice suits, but they kind of seemed shallow. Like there wasn't a whole lot of excitement there. And I felt the same way with the social work program. Um, but the education professor was just super inspiring. He was super passionate. It was Bill Hayes and he had been in education forever. And he was the one who seemed the most passionate about um, the career choice that he was kind of talking about. Um, and he, he really just kind of inspired me to go into education and to kind of pursue that as a career. I love it. And I think it's so true. Inspiration can truly come from so many places. And, you know, I think the energy in the room is always a huge indicator. And it's not, you know, I don't think it's always something that gets talked about, but 
you know, it's one of the first things I often tell people if they're going to interview or if they're going to check something out. I'm like, pay attention to the things that you may not have initially paid attention to. What's the feel? Are the people in the room smiling? Are the people laughing? Are they having a good time? Because that energy you're feeling is, is you're either going to link to it and be like, yeah, I'm all for it. Or you're going to exactly like you had in the business or social work and say, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. And, and I think that's, I think that's awesome. Um, so you mentioned you were homeschooled. What was that experience like? It really worked out well for me because I was kind of like, I've always been a learner where I like to learn about all sorts of different things that aren't necessarily connected and just kind of like pursue something and really kind of get a broad understanding. So it was really um, great. So I would do like the required school, um, whatever the state required. And then when I grew up, we didn't have a TV. So it was a lot of going to the library and a lot of reading. And um, that was really important for me as kind of like a foundation because I was able to pursue all these different interests. And even as a teacher now, I'm really open to, um, I have like a assigned work that students have to do. But afterwards, I like to encourage them to kind of pursue their own interests and to figure out what they're passionate about. Um, and it was really nice, too, because I, I did flexible seating as a kid before it was popular. Um, so, yeah, I really like the flexibility of it um, and just being able to kind of pursue that independent study. I love that. Were you able to bring some of that into, well, you mentioned you brought it into your classroom. Did you find that you were also bringing some of that into the virtual learning that we just kind of experienced over the last few months? Absolutely. Like um, I had a couple students who were struggling with it and I was able to kind of share like what worked with me when I was homeschooled and kind of what that whole experience was like. Um, and then just kind of like the importance of like keeping it fun for the kids for the at home learning and stuff. Yeah. I love it. Do you, so one of the things that I, I had mentioned, I didn't pop into your room too, too often, but every time I did, I don't know if I ever told you this or if I've shared it on here, one of my favorite things that literally makes me like giddy as an educator is when I walk into a room and I can't find the teacher, meaning they're there, they're in the room, <laughs> but I can't often find them. And I, that's how I felt every time I went in your room. I think I always asked like one of your students, like, where's Mr. Spite? Where is he? And they always point, you know, he's over there, he's over there. But Inevitably, you you fit you were you were one among your students. You were always either at their level, at the table, doing things with them. It wasn't in what we might call like the traditional learning sense of you know you're at the front or you're at your desk. And I a question I was thinking as I was you know getting ready for today is you know I'm I did that I saw that a few times. But is that more how you run your room? Pretty you know pr traditional for you? Is that pretty common? And that you're you're one among your students. Uh, definitely. I like to, um, like I never teach the same way twice. That's like a thing for me. Um, I get bored easily. Uh, so I really like to learn with the students. I like to have conversations with them. Um, I'm the person who distracts the kids the most, I think, uh, just with like different conversations about stuff. And uh, I really, um, I don't, I don't particularly enjoy teaching in front of a classroom. That's not, that's not something that I'm passionate about. So I really like the small group learning and being able to pop in and out of groups and work with individual kids. So, um, yeah. I love it. Have you, so you've been in, you've been teaching 13 years. Have you always been that way or is that something you've grown? Cause I, I would imagine, you know, for somebody, maybe that's, that's, 
you know, in their first few years and, and aren't that comfortable with that yet, you know, I think each of us have our teaching style, even each of us have a, a style that we, that we relate to, but I think there's always room for expansion. So I'm just curious, is that something you've kind of always done or has that kind of been something you've evolved as you've gone? It's definitely evolved as I've gone, as I've learned from different people. Um, but for the most part, like I've always leaned towards like the collab collaborative learning small group, um, the teacher more as a coach than kind of up there. Um, I always had like a problem with like um, speaking in front of people. So I think that kind of translated into the classroom. I just uh, enjoy the smaller groups a little bit more and being able to connect that way. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're listening and you, you know, want to kind of expand, you know, I think know that the, that expansion gets to happen at whatever level you are comfortable with. Just always keep expanding what is comfortable, because when we do that, we're, we're inevitably entering into some land of uncomfort. You know, we don't have to go from point A to point Z overnight, we get to take kind of each step. I like to say, you know, small, simple and strategic steps. So you've got to know as an educator, what works for you and then use your strengths to really help build that momentum. And I think strengths is so essential to um, not only who we are as educators, but our, our students as well. So do you find that you're able to kind of tap in doing these small groups, doing these more project based activities or really getting in there with your students? Are you able to um, really kind of access their strengths over maybe areas of, of growth and, and how do you incorporate that into your classroom? Um, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I definitely think that that's the case and, um, kind of like jumping around so much in education. Um, like I, I switch grade levels every couple of years, uh, just for something new. Um, you can't really depend on like the same lessons that you taught like five years ago when you do that. And especially since everything changes so much. Um, and I've, I've learned as I've, uh, taught for 13 years that no class is exactly the same way. So you really have to adjust your teaching style um, based on the kids that are sitting in front of you, um, which is easier when you're new to the grade level. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that you have to, like I, I want, like you um, talked about how we were gonna talk about um, our missions. And one of my missions is I want every kid to feel successful. And I want every kid to leave my classroom knowing this is what I'm really, really good at instead of these are all my weaknesses. So yeah, we definitely celebrate growth in the classroom. And like, even with when we do like the maths testing that we do in Rush Henrietta, um, I don't really focus on the scores that the kids get. We look at, we look at the growth and this, these are the areas that you're strong with. And I have conferences with the students. Like, what do you think made you grow in math? And I always put the credit for successes back with the students because that's really where it goes as an educator. I just tap into, um, to getting them motivated and to, to their passions. And then they're the ones who do all the work. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that, I can't even remember your original question, but yeah, the, tapping into kids' growth is, is so key and so important and into yeah. their passions. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. I love that you put it back on them because absolutely, let's celebrate the work that they do. And and some, and by work, I mean, I mean all of it, right? So sometimes, yes, it's the tangible work that they produce. Sometimes their work to me is they, they came to school that day. That, that sometimes is the hardest part and, and all that students do before they get to the building. So let's celebrate that. And, and I love that. It's not about numbers, right? Numbers don't tell the whole story, but it's, it's the growth. It's, and I love that you connect 
what, what actions did you take that led to your growth? It wasn't just that, you know, it was by chance that, that you grew 20 points on your assessment. No, it's, it's that you took my, you know, you listened to feedback, you applied it to yourself, you kept trying, you, you redid that thing. And, you know, it's just giving them all those opportunities to really live into, you know, who it is that they are as students, but more than that, who they are as people, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, I mean, I, I consider myself a lifelong learner, so I guess I'm a lifelong student, but at the end of the day, it really is about who am I as a person, not, not you know, going into one specific role that I think quickly we can often do with students and, you know, well, it's my job to teach. And I, and I kind of, you know, yes, but I also say, but what about coaching and what about questioning and what about leading and what about learning and, and all those things that go into the classroom? Um, one of the things that I love, you know, you know, I think, and you mentioned it, like, I love that you change grade levels. I think that that is great. You know, you're always looking for that inner challenge of, of learning new things. And what, what kind of inspires you in education to, you know, keep doing that? Is there, is there somebody, is it just something, is it a value you hold? Like, what is it that keeps you as passionate as you are for education? Um, I just, I love learning new things and I'm always following, like I follow different people on Twitter. Um, I read a lot of books and I, I have like the personality where I just, I like, I have um, attention issues kind of. So I like to just kind of pursue different areas and try new things. Um, and I think that's what definitely inspires me. And I, I tell the kids in my classroom, I'm like, listen, I, I'm new to this grade level. I have a lot of ideas. We're going to be trying a lot of things. You guys are, you guys are like my guinea pigs. So um, a lot of things are going to work. You're going to love them. And some things that we do, they're not going to work. Um, and you got to let me know. You got to let me know what you don't like about it. And what that does is it sets up like this whole culture where you can give feedback to the teacher because even if I don't try anything new that year, they, they think that I am and they think that, you know, it's okay for me to tell Mr. Spite that this didn't work for me or I didn't like this because of X, Y, Z. So it sets up like a whole culture where they're able to provide input back into the educational experience, which is really, I think, key for them and um, just empowering for them. Yeah, and I think, oh man, that was that was so good. So I think ultimately that's a, like an awesome example of how you have a lesson, you have a, you know, that you're teaching a skill, but naturally and organically you're embedding in there all the other skills that we often want to to address and and a lot of times you know you hear them as soft skills now I, nowadays they're almost like power skills essential skills because they are so needed in the world and you know i just look at the ability right there in that example you gave of of advocacy right what worked for me and what didn't work for me but then you're taking it a step further to say why why didn't it and what as a community what as a classroom culture classroom grouping can we do so that we are all you know knowing that we're all individuals and then we we come together as a group and the other thing i love about it and i do this a lot with behavior but i love it from that standpoint from like that academic we're going to try new things i'm going to do things that may work or may not is I, I call those just preventative phrases so there's something you can do proactively and you basically set the stage. You're letting, you're letting your students know what's, what might happen based on your history, based on your experiences. I often say, you know, do it from an educational perspective of there's going to be times in our class that, that someone makes a mistake or somebody does a behavior or somebody hurts. And I know that because I've been doing this and it happens. But the other thing I know is that when this happens, this is how I'm going to respond. 
And not that you need to give like the step-by-step -step action you're going to take because that's going to change based on the context of the situation. Hopefully, hopefully we don't have a cookie cutter response system because that's not individualized. But ultimately to say, I'm going to talk with, talk with you in private and we're going to come up with a plan and I'm going to share my thoughts and I'm going to ask yours and you're going to lay out that, that you're basically setting the stage. And I think that's amazing because that, like you said, you open the door for students to ask those questions, for students to say, that really was an exciting lesson. Because how else are we going to know if we're meeting their needs, meeting what it is they're looking for without asking and being open to that feedback? Um, I think that's- And I really like, I liked what you said about the behavior component, because when I first started teaching, like if I had a kid who misbehaved, a lot of my response would be, okay, let's go in the hall. And it was a lot of me talking. This is what you did wrong. This is what you need to do right. And I've kind of evolved over the years based on some different like trainings that I've had or people that I've worked with. And now when we go in the hall, and I'll take kids in the hall for all sorts of reasons. So it's not like, ooh, this kid's going in the hall, they're in trouble. Um, it'll be more of me listening to the student. Okay, what's going on? Why? what is it about this um, math assignment that's so frustrating for you? And really just giving them a chance to talk and to verbalize what's going on. Um, and there's a lot of kids who are dealing with a lot of stuff and um, they, don't, they don't necessarily know how to verbalize that and it comes out in behaviors a lot and you talk about that a lot. So I've really found that just me not talking very much at all and asking leading questions and letting them do the talking um, a lot of times, like if I am talking with a kid about a behavior that doesn't even come up at all. We just kind of we talk about they talk about what's really going on, what what's happening at home that they're dealing with or things that they're confused about. Um, and a lot of like this year, there was a lot of like concern about the coronavirus and stuff like that. So having those conversations um, with them, I think, is super, super important. Yeah, and I, I love that you established, I think the hallway can quickly become <laughs> that, that place that no kid wants to go, or it's the place that if you call a student to the hallway, you get the, ooh, what happened, you know, because we know audience plays a key. We know audience is a huge piece, which is why I believe so much in um, doing things in private and privacy. And I think that's often why the hallway is used, is because it is more private than in the classroom. But I think, I, I think exactly like you said, you've got to establish it as, I'm not going to call you out here every time for something for feedback. It might just be to, you know, share an excitement. And I think that's on us as the educator to make sure that we're doing that. Just like we're providing those, those compliments and those genuine, you know, affirmations and positive statements to students. Because otherwise you end up the student that, you know, you ask them to come and they don't come because they know what's coming. They know something negative is coming. So I think that's really important to, again, set the stage um, that, you know, those are those pieces. And, and it's knowing your student too. If you have a student that you know you're gonna do that and they're gonna refuse, then wait till the end of class and do that at a time where they're less likely to kind of engage in that behavior. Um, I also, something else you mentioned is, it's just, I think it's the type of questions you ask, right? If we ask why, why'd you do that? Or why, why'd you do this? You're gonna get a defensive answer almost every time, especially if a student is heightened, is elevated. Um, and I found a lot more success with what questions rather than why, you know, so, you know, we can use why when it's colleague to colleague or, you know, a brainstorming session. But when you really are trying to get information that you can use to help create this understanding among you and a student, stick with what, like what happened, what's going on, what was hard for you, what is easy for you, what went well, what is a celebration, you know, those are all, they're a little easier to answer. Um, and so I think that's really um, important to remember when we're, when we're connecting with our students. Um, 
which brings up the whole topic of connecting. And I think I could, I could talk for hours on connection and relationships and, you know, um, I think you could as well. Um, is there something, when you think about connecting with your students in class, whether it's beginning of the year, middle of the year, whenever, are there certain things or is there one thing that sticks out to you that you do or you really enjoy that helps you connect to your students? Uh, yeah, there's a, um, the first thing I think that's important is um, like just the basic standing in the doorway um, at the beginning of the day. Um, mess, I mess around with the kids a lot. We'll joke around. Uh, we'll do high fives. Um, I'll ask them how their day is going. And that, that I think really sets the tone for the day. I'm not in like a disciplinary, disciplinarian way, but hey, I care about you. I'm glad that you're in my classroom today. Um, and if there is a kid that seems a little upset, just saying, hey, what's going on? Um, is there anything that I can help you with? Um, I noticed a lot this year. I don't know if it was just like where I was in the building, but there was a lot of kids who were coming in um, who I could check to see if make sure that they had breakfast because for some reason they didn't want to. I don't know if the line was too long, um, but just making sure that they ate breakfast. Um, another thing that I do that's huge for me is a lot of times if I know I'm going to work in um, the classroom, I'll be like, hey, I'm going to be eating in the classroom today. If you want to eat in the classroom, as long as you're quiet, that's fine. And that's just a fantastic way to build relationships. Even if I am working, I overhear the conversations. I jump in, we play music, um, and just kind of getting to know the kids. Also, recess is huge. Like me as a teacher, I personally love recess because that's where I, I get my energy out. Um, I play the games with the kids. We jump rope. Um, and just I think it's super important to build relationships with kids that aren't necessarily focused around academics. Um, because then they, they learn to see you as a person. And then when they are struggling with academics, um, you've already, you already have that bridge built with them. Um, and then just, there's a, uh, I think he was a teacher. I can't remember, but he's a scientist, uh, Steve Spangler. And one of the things that he talked about in some of his interviews was you do something in your classroom that the kids are going to go home and talk about at the dinner table. And I heard that years ago, and that's something that has always stuck with me. So um, I really look for those opportunities. So what can I do in my classroom today that the kids are going to go home and talk about, whether it's a crazy science experiment or if it's just something sporadic that we do. Um, so I look for those moments that we can create together that build our culture, that the kids get excited about, they go home and they tell their parents. Um, and I kind of joke around, like there's a thing that a lot of teachers joke around about at like uh, curriculum nights where I believe half of everything that uh, your kid says about you, if you believe the same about me. Um, I like to be like 100% like, did Mr. Spite really do that? Yes, yes, Mr. Spite really did that. I love it. And I love, I've seen you, I've seen you out there on recess, and I, I love that. Because to me, relationships are, are built, or they're created, built, and strengthened when we spend time with kids and we don't have to be there, right? So I am your teacher. I'm going to see you most of the day. But there's a few times, although for us, recess is we are there. But again, there's a difference between being there and, you know, being present, right? I, I can be there or I can be, you know, the first one with the jump rope saying, who's joining me today? And I think that is such an important way for students to see us, to see us as people and we can see them as people. And I just think, again, those, you know, however, however long or short of a time it is, that is so important to establishing those relationships and then strengthening them, you know, over time, which is which is just so crucial. And I think it's those, that moment of, you know, connecting, 
you know, I often will hear like, what steps do I take to connect? And again, it's not one of those things. Again, I'm sure you could search it and I'm sure you'd get thousands of responses. At the end of the day, it's, it's what works for you and, and part of your authenticity in I am, you know, I'm not, I'm not a jokester. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, you know, that's not my way of connecting, but that's yours. And that's the beauty of it is you get to use different ways that connect that, that work for us. And so I think that is so important to know who you are as a, as a teacher, as an educator, and then just to keep expanding. That's the, that's the goal of it. You know, this morning I was thinking, you know, how do I get better with, with something? I was, I was working on, I was working on a paper and I said, how do I, how do I write this better? How do I get better? And it kind of dawned on me because that's not always how I used to envision the word better. I used to think like, oh man, I need to get better. Like I used to look at it through a negative lens and now I'm all about getting better. Like, yes, what can I, what can I change today so I can grow into tomorrow? And that whole premise of keeping your momentum going. And I think that's just from hearing you chat, that's so much of what you bring to your students um, every day. And one, one piece I wanted to have, have you share a little bit about, because I know you use it in your classroom, is really uh, gaming or projects and really kind of that, that exploratory learning. So is there a favorite kind of project you've done or activity lesson you've done that really maybe like took the curriculum and kind of went, you know, left when maybe everyone else went right or, or a story you have about that? Um, yeah, actually, uh, I... I've done gaming before. Some classes it works really well. Some classes it doesn't work really well at all. So this year, I mean, I had dabbled with it a little bit. Um, so I had an observation coming up. And I really, um, it was with Eureka Math. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, Eureka Math is kind of boring for me um, to teach. Like, So I wanted to do something kind of crazy. So um, I had done this before, but I took the game Candyland. And... I had gotten this idea. I can't remember who it was from. Uh, they did it with like Jenga blocks, but I took all of the questions from the homework and from the classwork, and I just kind of laid them out to the different colors with Candyland. And the story problems were like the um, the lollipop and the different things. And the way I set it up, and I've done this with a couple different games, is like I had the kids in groups. So for this particular observation, I let the kids sit wherever they wanted, and the kids formed their own groups. And it's kind of funny because one of the groups, though, when they all sat together and I knew I was getting observed, it was like, oh, man, this isn't going to be good. These three kids together. Um, but it was actually it was fantastic. Uh, they worked fantastically together. I even emailed their parents. It was like, um, I was so impressed by what your kid did today, how they helped each other out. Um, but anyways, I digress. So I took all the um, problems. The way it worked is I set up the Candyland game in the center and I taught the math lesson just like you would teach the math lesson. And then for uh, where they were working um, on their classwork, instead of doing that, they were in groups of three. One kid would come up, they would grab a card. And if they got a red card, they would do a problem in the red column. And I told them what to, problem to do. And then they would go back and they would work with their classmates. And all three of them had to solve the problem. They were able to work together um, or separately, but they didn't know who I was going to come call up to check. Uh, so that when they were done, they all stood up. And I called one person up randomly, and they had to come up. They showed me their work. If they were right, they got the next card. If they were wrong, they had to go back with the group and figure out what was wrong. And it's, it's always kind of exciting when you do something like that. Um, it can go really wrong, but when it goes right, it's fantastic. So, like, it's high energy. All the kids are, like, standing up. Um, and it's kind of funny because I have one kid uh, who uh, didn't sleep a lot this year. 
So he would always fall asleep during math class or he'd be super lethargic. And for some reason for this observation, like he was really into it. And I actually got called out in my observation because he, he really wanted me to call on his team. So this kid who's like always sleeping during math was like standing on his chair trying to get my attention um, and just really into it. So yeah, I had to explain that in uh, my post-op. Uh, but yeah, it's just a fantastic experience. Anytime you do something novel or you do something where kids are able to work together to achieve a goal, it's, it's super fun. Like I've done the same thing with uh, Jenga before where I just numbered all the blocks and they pulled a block and they did the same thing and had to solve it. And I'm like huge on data. So whenever I do something like that, I'll look at the OXA tickets. And every time I did something like that where they were working together, it was super fun. It was collaborative. Their exit ticket scores went up. Um, so instead of having like six or seven kids fail the exit ticket or need extra help, sorry, um, it might be only like two. Uh, and what's also cool about stuff like that is kids learn how to work together. Like there's always, anytime you do something like that, there's always an argument. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm okay with arguments because I establish a culture where it's okay that we make mistakes and we talk about it after. So if there is an argument in the classroom, I, I rarely will address it that day. I'll just kind of put a stop to it. But the next day, I'll be, we'll, we'll talk about it. I noticed that some of you guys got really frustrated when this happened. What, what could you do different? Um, as a class, what can we do to help you if that happens? And we talk about like taking breaks and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, any assignment, whether it's, it's, it's not really the gaming, it's the passion. So anytime you can get kids passionate about something and you get that energy in the room, uh, it's, it's always, it's always a win. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad I asked that because you just unpacked like all the things and I absolutely loved it. So I'm just going to recap a couple of things that absolutely stood out to me. And the, the first thing, if, if I'm bored as a teacher, my kids are guaranteed to be bored. <laughs> and, and I, you know, again, yes, the curriculum is set. This is what is, is expected to teach. However, it doesn't mean I can't bring my flair. It doesn't mean I can't bring my style into it and find a way to make it more interactive, make it more exciting. And I love what you just said. It's not necessarily about the how, it's the passion behind it. It's what am I gonna do today that is gonna excite these kids so their passion shines and they go home and when the parents ask the dreaded question like what'd you do at school today or how was school and most kids are gonna say it was okay, it was fine, it was good. No, your students are gonna come, oh my gosh, let me tell you about what I did at school which is then gonna increase their motivation to wanna come back the next day which is amazing and I think too, you know, you mentioned like it's taking a risk. Doing new things is absolutely taking a risk. But if I'm expecting my students to take risks, I'm going to showcase that too. I'm going to model that and I'm going to say, this is, this is something new. We're going to try this together. And if it goes right, huge celebration. If it goes wrong, and, and I even hesitate to use wrong, but if it doesn't go as you expected, again, there's no fault in that we're going to learn from it. We're going to all circle up together and say, what didn't work? What do we got to tweak? Because my guess is, just from experience, it's not gonna be the whole thing that didn't work. It's maybe one or two parts or the expectations weren't clear enough or it's something simple that we can relatively change. And again, if you're listening to this saying, oh my goodness, how do I do this? Start small, start with one thing, start with one lesson, one unit, one class, wherever you are, start there and then expand because that's, that's the crucial part. It's not just, you know, come in, you know, Monday morning and say, I'm going to do this today. Like it does take some planning. It takes some thought. It also takes knowledge of student. And I absolutely love that you advocated for that student that, 
you know, again, through this is where, where our kind of behavior beliefs or bias come in that, you know, maybe, you know, someone out through someone else's lens, that's not, that's not okay. Standing on a chair, yelling, shouting, waving arms, whatever the behavior is. But to you, that was like the most excitement, you know, because you knew that student. And I think that's so important and to advocate for our students because we know a lot more than any visitor to our, to our classroom may. And I think at the end of the day, your connection to your students is going to be so strong as you do these, these actions that that's just gonna be a no-brainer. Um, like I said, so much goodness. I love that you have your students that it's okay to disagree, that it's okay to not see eye to eye, but then you teach what you do when you disagree. It's not just, yeah, go ahead, yell, and then we're gonna move on. It's, okay, you both got, you got into this situation, you disagree, that's, that's more than okay, Let's, let's talk about it. Let's embrace it so that, because when you leave school, I want you to disagree with people, but I want you to do it in a way that you're going to feel heard and the other person is going to feel heard. So, so much goodness. Thank you so much for sharing that. And can I just add one thing? Yeah. Um, whenever I do like a game, I think it's important. I don't do prizes because uh, I don't, I want to make, I'm not, a, I'm outside of school, I'm super competitive, but I don't want my classroom to be competitive. So I, I want it to be about the fun of the game and not about this is what I'm gonna get at the end. So anytime I do a game, I never do prizes. I don't, I don't actually do prizes for anything. Um, there's some things I do where um, I will bring something in for the kids. Like this year I did like a Monday, Monday morning show. Um, and I could talk about that in more detail if you want. But I, would, I did like a form where I asked like what the kids' favorite snacks were and I, I brought them in something if they were on the show. But um, I, I would like to keep it as low key and as low, competition as possible. I love that. Yes. And, you know, and I, I just recently posted something on Instagram that, you know, the concept of reinforcement and doing something that's reinforcing is, is very different or is not the same as using a tangible reinforcer. You know, your, that game, you showing up, you bringing that excitement, that's reinforcement. That is going to make the, that's going to increase the likelihood that your students engage in the lesson. So absolutely, it doesn't require a tangible reinforcer at the end. Now, for some of our students, it does. That's why I always caution, don't fall into the all or never, I'm never going to do it, yeah. always do it. Know your purpose. Know the purpose and the, the reason behind what you're doing. And I absolutely, I absolutely love that. Um, so one, one kind of final thing that I would love to wrap up with is, what is, what's the, the kind of your go-to advice if you are talking, really any educator, but maybe someone just entering the field, maybe someone feeling frustrated, maybe somebody not sure, what is kind of your go-to advice or your best advice that you could share with educators? So one of the things when I tell student teachers, the first thing that I tell them is you're going to see me doing all these things. Don't teach like that. Like you have to embrace your own strengths. You don't have to teach like I teach in it. And I tell them that if you do that, like it's not good for the kids because then they're just getting me and they're not getting your strengths as well. So my best piece of advice that I have to offer is when you see someone doing something, that doesn't mean you have to embrace it. You really, cause that's, that's where I believe burnout happens is when people try to teach like somebody else, like that's not being authentic to yourself. Um, and I think it was Brian Mendler posted something like from his trip in Hawaii where it was the best surfer is the one having the most fun. And then he talked about changing it to the best teachers, the one having the most fun. And I think that's the best piece of advice ever. If you're being true to yourself, you're doing your, you're incorporating your passions and your strengths, 
um, you're going to be a phenomenal teacher. You're going to get the kids along with the ride with you. Um, you're going to enjoy coming to work. When you enjoy coming to work, the kids enjoy coming to school. Um, and even like um, when you enjoy coming to work, like if you have a parent who calls and complains about something, you, you don't take it as personally when you're having fun and when you're engaged. Um, it's when you're, when you don't enjoy it, that that stuff kind of really burns you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, I love that. And it's, it's really finding that blend of consuming things, seeing what other people are doing, reading, listening, talking, you know, consuming all this amazing stuff in the world, all these amazing ideas, but then creating it to fit you. And I think often we, we stick in that consuming world. I know sometimes I get so wrapped up in it because there's so much amazing content out there, but then I have to remind myself and I remind educators too, make it fit you. What is it that you believe about it? What truth do you find? What part of it can you bring into you? Because like you just said, if you're doing it because somebody else did it, that's when we find ourselves living in the land of should. And we know we don't want to be there. And so instead, make it who you are. Turn it, create it to be what your values are as an educator. What is it that you believe? And then, and then make it your own. So it's that blend of consuming and creating that I think really allows educators to shine into the educator that they get to be. Right? There are so many amazing educators out there, thousands, millions. There's only one of you. There's only one of me. And I think when we can live into who we are and truly love who we are, then, then that's where we get to have fun and we get to bring that passion and purpose into what we do every day. So with that, Matt, thank you so much for sharing all the things today. Um, I so appreciate it. Um, if there is, if people have questions or if people want to ask, you know, ask you questions, if they want to connect with you, is there a best way for them to, to do that? Um, yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram. I, my handle is I am Spider-Man um, with a T because my last name is Spite. Or you can email me at MatthewSpite at gmail.com. Perfect. And I will put that in the show notes. I, I am so, I, I, like I said, I love it. I, we don't get to connect as much at work. And I'm so excited that we were able to do that today. And I truly thank you for all that you are doing um, for your students, for educators, for our district um, every single day. So thank you to you. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day. All right. You too. There you have it, everyone. Another new episode of the Define University podcast is in the books, and I so hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. And if you did, would you do me a favor? Would you head on over and rate, review, subscribe, and even share that out with your friends? And let's let everyone know the amazing world of Define University. Would you do that for me? I would so appreciate you for that. And if you find yourself wondering, what's next? What else is out there? How else can I define who I am as an educator? How do I master my mindset? How do I use powerful language every day? And how do I take aligned action to truly achieving the goals I have to, to create my present day reality, to be the most amazing reality there is? Well, then I, I would encourage you to head on over to defineuniversity.com and uh, check out the courses page. That is all that I offer here. And if you see something that you've got questions that piques your interest, do me a favor, send me an email. Let's connect. I'm here for you every single day. So with that, remember to keep shining bright, live into your authenticity, love who you are, trust who you are, and most of all, own who you are so you can stand confidently in saying, this is who I am. We'll talk soon, everyone.